Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. The Silo Research platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software as a service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number 8.com. Welcome to Needlestack, the podcast for professional online research. I'm your host, Matt Ashburn, former CIA cybersecurity officer with a passion for open source research. And I'm Jeff Phillips, tech industry veteran and curious to a fault. You know, today is a special episode of Needlestack where we're taking your questions and answering them as we go. In our past few episodes, we've covered the concept of a digital fingerprint, including how it can affect your online research and, you know, we try to keep the show as interactive as, as possible, uh, given that it's a podcast. But um, we wanted to dedicate a little time each episode to Q&A. But today, it's all Q&A. So we're going to answer your questions today. I'm super excited about this, Matt. We're, now, for folks that are attending, we're going to try to get to as many questions as we can live. Um, we do have a few additional members of the Needlestack team that are standing by in the chat uh, that'll try to answer some of those questions directly, because I don't think we're gonna be able to get to all of them. Um, now, for our listeners that are not live on the show, you can always submit a question uh, for any of our podcasts um, or comment to us on the website at authenticate.com. That's authenticwithan8.com slash Needlestack slash comments. And so please submit is any question uh, or anything you may have that you'd like to reach out to us about. Um, so Matt, we've got these questions. Are you ready to get to our first question? Let's do it. All right. All right. So I'm going to grab this first one. Um, we'll start kind of basic here. Uh, I thought this was really going to be helpful to our, our newer online researchers. What are good resources to learn about online tools that can be useful to OSINT? It's uh, a great question. You know, we've always covered uh, a number of things on the podcast here, right? We always try to give some some helpful websites to go to and tools that you can use. But there are a ton out there, right? It's hard to keep track of them all. So I, I recommend that people go to start.me. Uh, start.me is an online bookmark service. And you can have essentially like an online homepage with a bunch of different shortcuts that are categorized uh, by different uh by different features or categories, right? So I uh, recommend you go there. There are a number that are out there for OSINT in particular. So just Google start.me and then OSINT. You'll find about three or four that are really, really comprehensive, including some that are by start.me themselves. There's also one called the Ultimate OSINT Collection, and and a few of them are out there. They, you know, they all have slight differences, but they have a number of free tools that are available that are very useful for OSINT research. And Jeff, I'll have one for you here. So I'll pick one here from the hat. And how about this one? This is a good one here. And it's about native search engine, uh, native search engines in a particular region. And the person asks, are there advantages to using native language search engines if you're looking at foreign information? 
Uh, that is that is a good question. Um, I'm actually going to expand that a little bit. Uh, there's both using native uh, native language search engines in the sense of is is that a search engine specific to a given region? Um, and there's even just you know using Google uh, in a given region and, and in the native language. Um, so now in, I've talked to a number of practitioners. This has come up before in in terms of of how does language work in dealing with translation and and it absolutely does have an impact for those um, looking to dive deep and find things specific to a region when they're doing searches. So first point is if, if you're aware of search engines that focus on a specific geography, uh, Baidu is an example of one um, in, in China and in the APAC region where <clears throat> um, you will definitely get diff different results from, from one that's within the region than out. And if we talk about Google, um, you can actually do that side by side uh, for yourself and test it out. You know, if, if you search in English, uh, even though you maybe look like you're appearing, you're in a specific region, you've manipulated your geography, um, you'll get a certain set of results um, related to that search. If you went, if you go right back in in the same in the same search engine and and search in that native language, whatever those characters may be. Um, you will end up getting a, dif a different set of search results. And so both, I think, can be super useful uh, depending on what you're looking for. And so I would absolutely say, yes, native language is going to give you a different set of results. Whether they're advantageous to what you're doing, that all depends. I just Doing both is probably the right way to go in, in, when you're doing research to dive, to dive deep and get an understanding of, the, um, of what all is out there. I would, I would say do both things. Uh, great. Uh, and do you have another one for me? I do, sir. Um, again, going back a little bit to the beginners, because uh, we do have here, we focus a lot on the digital fingerprint and, and, and getting into OSINT. Um, the question here is, is there any free training available for the beginner that's getting, you know, becoming an OSINT analyst? Yeah, you know, the great thing about OSINT is that there's a ton of information out there. Uh, there are a few things that I'd recommend as sort of a a quick hit fundamental uh, in OSINT. So the first one would be a really good YouTube video by Heath Adams, uh, AKA the cyber mentor on YouTube. It's entitled Learn OSINT in Four and a Half Hours. And I'm not kidding, this is a really, really good course. Uh, it's literally four and a half hours long or maybe four hours and 28 minutes, something like that. And uh, he does a great job of, of breaking down uh, essentially the fundamentals that you need to know for, for OSINT and different categories of information and, and research techniques and all of those things. Uh, a few other ones that I'd like to mention, there are, uh, of course, uh, a lot of SANS summits and, and talks that are out there. Uh, they have their open OSINT uh, SANS summit coming up in April, which is a good thing to attend if you can. Uh, and then there are a number of videos that are out there as well. So, for example, uh, Michael Hoffman has uh, Moving Past Just Googling It. Uh, it's talking about collecting information in, in different ways beyond just Google. That's a really good one as well. All right, Jeff, uh, my turn to ask you a question. Let's see. Uh, let's try this one. Uh, so, Jeff, let's say um, we've talked a lot about digital fingerprint and changing your geographic location. Are there other advantages to changing your geographic location or your user agent string aside from just being anonymous? That's a good question. And we, we have focused a lot um, you know, on people that need to uh, keep, keep themselves and their company anonymous uh, due, due to retribution, et cetera. But there are definitely other reasons. Um, again, when I talk to practitioners in particular, um, for example, on the SOC side of things, cybersecurity analysts, um, 
now they're out there dealing with malicious sites. Let, let's take phishing, for example. I've specifically talked to a few about this, where being able to change your geographic location um, is useful because a particular, um, a particular site may be targeting users in a particular part of the world. So this is phishing, but it's set up, it's targeting users in Australia. And so it's, it's, it's uh, presenting itself in a certain way if you're coming from IPs, uh, ranges in that specific geography. Um, it may be blocked uh, to people coming, say, from the U.S. So from a location standpoint, um, that site could react differently. And when they're trying to understand what they're dealing with from a, a, an incident response perspective, uh, being able to, to change your geography can, can show you how that site reacts. And same with the user agent string. Um, typically here, it's whether that, uh, that particular attack or that campaign, in the case of a phishing example, um, is targeting certain OSs or browser types, uh, or it could even be targeting specific device types, right? Am I on a mobile phone? What type of mobile phone? Or is this targeting Windows machines, Macs? So that ability, um, now we would tell you from a tradecraft perspective, you don't want to be changing um, your user agent string in the middle of an investigation, of course. That's, that's not good tradecraft. But if it's tactical in the sense of trying to understand what um, this particular site is doing you know, mechanically and who is it targeting to understand the campaign, um, I've heard... Uh, Lots of SOC analysts uh, from that perspective. And then um, the other one I mentioned being blocked for uh, ge geographically, you know, the reverse kind of comes into, into play or a little different is from different analysts being blocked on their own side. So from their own firewalls or gateways that are blocking them uh, to get to sp uh, certain geographies in the world. So geographically, the company said, we don't want you to, uh, you know, we're just blocking that. There's no reason typically for someone to go there. Um, so being able to manipulate your location to get around some of those blocks um, with, with software can be helpful uh, to get around internal blocks to, to get access to get the whole story of what you need. Great questions. These are these are really good. All right, Matt. Um, okay. Uh, back to some tools. We talked, uh, or one of our episodes was, was all about tools. Um, this person asks, uh, what are some tools or software that can help to geolocate photos when you're dealing with photographic analysis. Yeah, you know, reverse image searching comes up all the time. And a lot of people are very familiar with Google Images, for example, images.google.com. You can search by keyword, return a bunch of images in response to that keyword search. You can also do reverse search. You can actually upload a photo and find uh, photos that are very similar in nature to that photo. Perhaps you want to understand uh, where the photo originated from or where the image originated from. That can be very useful. But there are a number of other resources that are out there as well beyond Google, right? Google's just one, one of the uh, the top ones. Uh, there's certainly Yandex.ru. It's a Russian-based website, so the, the usual caution uh, that comes along with that, just be aware of that. Uh, that sometimes can provide different results than Google, for example. So so try multiple search engines, not just Google. Another one that's out there is called Tinei, T-I-N-E-Y-E. Tinei Reverse Image Search is also very good, and it has a... Uh, almost like a sister website called PIM Eyes, P-I-M-E-Y-E-S. And PIM Eyes is specifically for photos with a face in it. And they use AIML-based facial recognition to actually 
find faces that are similar in different photos. So you, if you upload a, a photo of a, let's say, a target of investigation, you can perhaps find other profiles or other websites on which that photo appears or that person appears, rather. Um, of course, the usual caution comes along with this, right? If it's a free tool, just be aware that the data can be used and stored and, and all of those things. So uh, just be cautious about it. But those are the, the top ones that I would point people towards if you're if you're new to this, you're looking for some reverse image searching. Uh, Tenai, PimEyes, uh, Yandex.ru, uh, those are all our good starting points. Well, Jeff, I, I think we're just about out of time today, uh, but we wanted to say thanks to everyone who attended our show today, especially those to ask questions. And as always, if we didn't get to your question today, feel free to contact us and, and submit your question. We can get to it maybe in a later episode and get back to you via email or something like that. And again, you can always subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast, watch episodes on our YouTube channel, and view transcripts and other episode info on our website, Authenticate, that's authentic with the number eight, dot com slash needlestack. And by the way, we'll be back on March 8th with our next episode, talking about the role that OSINT plays in world events. We'll see you then. Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. The Silo Research platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software as a service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number 8, .com.